All right, everybody, what's happening? It is Park Sportsbook presents Stick to Hockey Live as I try and untangle my earbuds. They're all kinds of tangled up. It's Jason Martinez. Bill Meltzer are going to join us uh, in just a couple minutes from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. Uh, also, we are going to talk to Tone. We got Tone's takes. Going to talk about bankroll management as well, at about 140. So a ton to get into on this episode of Park Sportsbook presents Stick to Hockey Live. I don't like the angle of my camera there. There you go. Much better. Nobody wants to see the door. I got to go this way. Everything's opposite. Uh, let me tell you about Parks. Huge, huge sports gambling weekend. Big game on Sunday and uh, a great time to get the Park Sportsbook app. Download it and open up an account. Deposit first bet risk-free up to $500. You don't have to do a promo code or anything like that. All the props are there. And you know there's a ton of props on that, on that game on Sunday. Uh, and just a normal game, normal NHL games, normal college and pro hoops, all that stuff always has all kinds of different things you can get your action in on. You don't have to talk about shots on goal, total shots on goal, first to score, last to score, two score, power play, points in a game, over-unders, uh, same game parlays, live in-game betting. I could go on and on. All the different things that you can exact score. I like betting exact score. Uh, all those things you can bet. So check it out on the Park Sportsbook app. It's simple to use, and you'll have no problem navigating. And again, you just deposit your first bet risk-free up to $500. If you're using another service, check it out. This is a great time. Take advantage of the fact that the, your first bet is risk-free up to $500 on this great sports gambling weekend uh, that's upon us. So uh, make sure you follow Parks on the social channels as well, at Park Sportsbook. Follow them on Instagram Facebook and YouTube as well. There you'll get great content. Not only this stick to hockey live content, all of it. You also get Rich Gannon, Eddie Alvarez, Natalie Aginoff, Sam Wilson, daily specials, Matt Alba, all of it. You'll get all of that content will be there at your fingertips. And uh, if you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend you do because there's a lot of great content uh, that park sports book is putting out, which is just awesome. So, um, and like I said, Follow them on their social channels at Park Sportsbook on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as well. Now, Bill Meltzer will join us in just a couple of minutes. And I've gotten a lot of messages from people asking to get Bill on this show. And I have Bill on Flyers Daily, weekly. Uh, he's on every Monday. And I thought today would be a good opportunity now that we're past the All-Star game. We're kind of counting down the days at this point to the NHL trade deadline, which is coming up on March 21st. How many, like, how far is that from now? I'm trying to do. So there's 28 days in this month, so 18 days left in this month and 21. So it's creeping closer. It's not close. I don't want to oversell it. It will be one, two, three, four, five weeks from Monday. So that's when the trade deadline will be. So uh, make sure you get in on. Uh, all the action that's going to be surrounding the Flyers when it comes to trade deadline, because I think it's going to be fascinating. And with Bill, we're also going to talk about, obviously, trade deadline, the team this year, the disappointment that has been this season, finding a way, as Danny Briere put it when I talked to him yesterday, and the way he put it, I, I've been saying the Flyers need to find positives out of this season, find something that you know they can take out of this season. And Danny used it as an the word opportunity which I thought was an awesome word. So I uh, got to speak with him yesterday. So there's a lot to get into. We'll get to Tone's takes coming up at 140. But joining us right now from the Flyer Skate Zone, it is the one and only. It is Bill Meltzer. Billy, how are you? I'm doing well, Jason. How about you? 
Uh, what did you observe over there at practice today? Today, uh, there was a big emphasis on battle drills, and <laughs> that, was, that wasn't by accident. You know, they, yeah. they had uh, in the corners, one-on-one battles, you know, going down the ice. Um, had guys moving their feet, little five-foot passes, and then guys skating the puck uh, over the middle and, and shooting. Uh, it was, you know, it was, and it was also, it was also a 50 minute practice too. So it was a pretty long practice. Yeah. People th- think about that. They go 50 minutes. That ain't long. But when you look at in the middle of a season and yeah. they'll have a chance to practice quite a bit this month because of the schedule, like yeah. it, it basically like what two games a week, because this was supposed to be the, the Olympic break and they it didn't have, break, have yeah. yeah, they didn't have a, a bunch of games postponed like a lot of other teams did. So um, that's good. Bill, let, let's start here because. You know, you and I have talked about Mike Yo and, and the job that he's done and just basically an impossible situation. And I think you and I agree with this, that Mike's done the best job he can in an impossible situation. But really where I think Mike Yo has excelled is his communication with the fan base, the media, and his outward-facing stuff beyond the locker room. And last night, you know, we were watching the game, you and I, and and Eric up there, and we saw that there was a guy not coming out, didn't jump on the ice on a power play. They were four on four for a, an extended period of time. And I know you asked Mike about it. And I loved his answer after the game because wh- I'll just paraphrase the one thing that he did say to you was, you know, the bench figured it out, and it still took five seconds for the player to be ready. He said, We have to yeah. be sharper. To me, it's an example of where our heads were at assignments that we've drilled over and over again, shown on video over and over again, that we're missing right from the start of the game. I mean, that to me, that was a, a great answer to a question uh, of something that is unacceptable. Yeah, that, that's, you know, I mean, honestly, come, you know, knowing who you're replacing and coming out uh, on the change on a power play, you're really only counting to one. And, mm-hmm. and if you, you know, every once in a while, you'll see a guy who's momentarily inattentive, and someone on the bench screams at him, get out there. It was it was a 15 seconds. And even even after the two-on-one, it was another, as Mike Yo pointed, it was another five, five, six seconds after that till, till there were five guys on the ice. And that's after you've just given up a shorthanded two-on-one. I mean, that that kind of that's not even that's not even attention to detail. That that's just being asleep at the switch. You know, yeah. and and that that just cannot happen ever, ever in a in a in a you know. On a professional hockey team, and that—that's not a—that is really that is not a coaching issue. I mean, th- this is something, you know, guys. Guys have played hockey all their lives. They—they they know how to change on a power play. To to be to have four men on the ice that long a period of time, I've ne- I've never seen that. I've never seen it for that for that extended of a period, especially when especially when there's a two on one coming to your end, and you still don't change. I I I, I didn't. You know, that that one was kind of flabbergasting and. You know, I mean, he he put it he put it right on the player. He didn't, you know. He said we knew it on the bench. It was communicated, and you know, I'm I'm interested to see actually how the power play will be aligned on on uh, on Saturday in Detroit. Um, you know, because there is a message of accountability. So, you know, there was no power play work today. Um, there were a couple guys taking maintenance days: Giroux, um, Atkinson, and, and Ristolainen. So they were really they were doing a lot of battle drills and stuff like that. So they didn't really run lines today, but or, or power play. But I but I think that when you are are trying to send a message of accountability, there has to be some accountability. So I think that uh, I'm inter- I'm interested to see I'm interested to see you know when they work power play tomorrow how, how that's going to line up. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's not a complicated thing. When you're on the bench and you're on PP2 and PP1's out there, you know who you got, like on the bench. All right, when he comes, I got I got Giroux. I got Atkinson. And when that guy comes, because it's so it's not going to be sometimes a whole full-sale change, which signals the entire next line to go out, you got to be dialed into the game. And, and that just cannot happen. I mean, it was... I ranted about it on the post game show yeah. because these are the types of self inflicted wounds that we've seen too much this year. Yeah, injuries are part of it. COVID's part of it, Bill. But how has this just been such an issue with this team with the details for for now two years? It, it, it's uh, you confounding. Know, it, it, it is. It's absolutely flabbergasting. You know, I mean, just just mistakes that you just don't expect to see at a you know even you know at any professional level. Truthfully. Uh, you know, this this should just be fundamental stuff, and you know, I, I and, and just just little details that that get sometimes sometimes are little details. This obviously was a big one, but little details that get missed over and over and over again that seem to bite the Flyers, you know, in the butt over and over again. Um, you know, things just as uh, things just as simple as uh, where everybody should be. You know, if a uh, you know if if a, if a battle is lost, if a face-off is lost, where everybody's supposed to go, right? Yeah. And there's not consistency with it. I mean, these are things they work on every single day. And, um, you know, just, just little assignments. Who who, who has who? Um, you know, and just just basic fundamental hockey stuff. Like like last night, there's a, there's a goal scored, and one of the defensemen is up at the defensive blue line on the play. And it, it wasn't like it was – it wasn't just off of a rush either. He just never got back. Never retreated. He, yeah, you know, he never retreated. He never, never moved. Never circled back to his position. And you know, I mean, Hart was really hung out to dry on, on that one. That was, that was the second, the second goal that he allowed. So, you know, th- things like that that you just, you know, you know well, you, you have veteran players. You have guys that have played this game a long time, and just, just the simplest, the most basic routine of assignments that wouldn't even be a systems thing, right? Yeah. It, it, it you know it bites them time and again. And it's, it's been, uh, you know, it happens way too often. And it's, it's not this coaching staff, you know, it goes back beyond this coaching staff. It's, yeah. uh, you know, it's been a multiple year thing too. So it's, it's, it's unacceptable and it's frustrating. You know, th- there was an element of the game that I-, I thought was a big positive, but I can't take it as a positive because of the other, the elements that override it. But the fact that, you know, Detroit scores 20 seconds later, the Flyers score to tie it. Detroit scores at 6.02. The Flyers tie it 24 seconds later. When they go down 4-2, 21 seconds later, they get back within one. Like that element of not letting a goal deflate you and battling back and getting other goals was good, but it just gets overrided by the bad stuff, unfortunately. No, for sure. You want to see the resiliency, you know, mm-hmm. but on, on the flip side, you know, listen, you, you came back three times, a shift later, you know, from a goal loser, and you still lose by three, you know? Yeah. And so it's hard to take away many positives. And, and quite frankly, on the Detroit side, that's an indictment of them because it's to get, you know, you never want to get scored on the shift right after scoring a goal or giving one up. And it happened three times to them last night. So that's something that I'm sure, you know, Lasha wasn't happy about after the game, you know, and again, it's good to see the resiliency and, and yeah, it doesn't, doesn't totally deflate you, but, you know, but by the same token, the Flyers were lucky to be down 
one goal heading into the third, and Mike, you touched on this, and he was right. The third period was awful. I mean, there was no compete yeah. in that third period. One, so. one shot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, yeah, well, yeah, it's almost it's almost the end of the game. So that uh, you know that that that's unacceptable too. Yeah, it really is. You know, you I, I read this tweet on post game last night. Holly Ski thirty three tweeted me and said, "With the flow and look of this game so far, if these two teams were related, they'd be identical twins." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That's that's really good. Yeah. Because giving up the goal right after you score, that I mean, that was a flyer trait last year. It's been a trait of points this year as well. Uh, Bill, let's talk about uh, the deadline because it's five weeks from Monday when it'll come. I guess that's, what, 35 days from Monday, so about 39 days from now. And, you know, we're, we're not quite there yet when it comes to guys getting moved. We'll start to hear some chatter, but it's kind of just noise at this point. Yeah. But one of the things with Giroux, and if he decides to waive the no move clause will be how many teams he decides to waive it for, but also the likelihood. I know some people want to get that deal done earlier, but with an 8.25 cap hit and you couple that, I mean, they can, they'll eat some money to get a better return, but teams will like to make that move later because that cap hit is even lessened further. So right. do you expect that to be something that kind of comes down to the final wire? Maybe not the yeah, final, uh, day, uh, but the final uh, week. I would say the last week to 10 days. I don't expect it to come down to the final day. Usually the bigger deals happen or in the week to 10 day period, maybe, maybe as close as, you know, five days ahead of time, something like that. But uh, yeah, I, I expect, assuming he's assuming he waves the uh, no movement clause, that'll come down. I would say probably a little bit ahead of the deadline. Uh, it's really too early right now on, on February 10th to, to yeah. think that anything is imminent. Uh, you all, as you said, there'll be rumors right up, right up until something were to happen. Um, you know, we had a we had an interesting discussion today too, um, tied tied into Giroux. If uh, you know, assuming Giroux gets traded, who wins the Bobby Clark Trophy this year? And to me, to me, it's a no brainer that Carter Hart would be the would be the guy. Total, yep, I totally agree. I, I mean, he may win it anyway. Yeah, could Giroux win it even if he was traded? <laughs> I mean, we vote for that. Yeah, I mean, we I, theoretically, yeah, theoretically, we, we could vote for a guy who's who's not there no longer here. Point. Yeah, I mean, it would almost be never happened. It, it would be kind of it'd be different, but it would be kind of like putting a, a bow on his time here. Because I, but you and I both believe that if he does waive his no move clause, is traded, the likelihood of him coming back here is very low. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the, I, only, the only the only case I could think of of that happening was Keith Kachuk. Yeah, um, you know, St. Louis going, to Atlanta and back to St. Louis. And then back to St. Louis. And, you know, there, there's always rumors about it, and it just never seems to happen other than that one case. So, Why do you think it doesn't happen, Bill? Is it kind of one of those things where, okay, I did move on. Now I need a fresh opportunity, whether it's with the team I was traded to at the deadline or just a different team. I, I think so. I, I think that, you know, the there's the initial sentiment, you know, uh, particularly when a guy's been with a team for a number of years. And then it's, you know what, it, it, it's a fresh start or somewhere else, you know, um, particularly, you know, you can pick your own situation. And usually, yeah. usually a guy's moved after he's been with the franchise for so long. And usually there's some kind of transitional phase going on anyway, you know, with, with that organization. So, you know, it's uh, it just it, I, I think I think that what, what happens is that the, uh, you know, the initial being sorry to go gets replaced. Hey, you're excited for a new opportunity. And then, you know, you, you make a fresh start, whether it's with the team you're traded to or, 
or somewhere else. Um, and I mean, honestly, I think it helps the return, Jason. If, if it were he were to go somewhere where he'd extend with, just yeah. because uh, just because that would be the team would know he's not just a rental. So I think that that would also benefit the Flyers too. He could go somewhere where he'd he'd extend, you know, right off the bat. Yeah, I've said this a lot. I think that you know it's always good to have guys enter a team that don't know where the, the bathroom is when they right. get to the practice. Where's the bathroom? Where's the change room? Where's the shot? You know, there's. And there's an excitement to that for the guy that also doesn't know where it is, where you got to use your GPS to get to the practice rink because you don't drive, you haven't driven it every day. So it's new, it's fresh, it feels different. It's like a new girl <laughs> after being with the same one for a really long time. Well, we say that as married men, but anyway, um, <laughs> let's talk return for Giroux because it, a lot depends here on how many teams he waves it for, uh, how much the Flyers are willing to eat when the deal goes down. Uh, you know, does the team need to clear some cap space? Do they take on a player and some salary in return as a dollar for dollar situation? What do you kind of think the return kind of ranges from when you're talking about a player of Drew's ilk? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, I can look at it more from the, the flyer standpoint as to what the ask would be. I think the ask should be a young guy who's already in the NHL has some upside, you know, um, so, and, and he's shown at least hints or, or you know, some ability at this level. So, so you're not, you're not starting just totally from scratch with somebody. I mean, that's uh, with that, a pick and not a face. Game. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I mean, I, honestly, I personally don't have a ton of interest in late first round picks. Um, Flyers will have their own picks <laughs> and it, it is nice when you can have multiple picks so you can package something maybe, but you know, truthfully, I'd, ra- I'd rather get a, a young player with some upside who's already in the league has been through some of the growing pains and is ready to take the next step and you know Giroux would add to any team in a Stanley Cup run potentially really more than any young player they'd be getting back for that that one year period and you know my selling point on that um yeah as a young player being the main component on it is listen you only get so many kicks of the can in the Stanley Cup and you think you have this window of time you can't you can't let a year slip away because what ends up happening so many times is that window of time closes on you faster than you think it does guys get injured when you have when you have that chance to go for it you go for it yeah i mean look at a team like the rangers were there and so close so many years you look at you know you look at other teams around the nhl that were like right even look at like winnipeg right they were a couple years in a row in the preseason kind of you know prognostications winnipeg's a team to look out for this year and now all of a sudden it doesn't look like their windows even it it's not even really open again and you, you just didn't they weren't able to push it over the goal line. It's part of that's pandemic related for them too, I'm sure. But uh, you know, you look at that situation, Bill, one of the things that I turn of phrases that we heard recently, it was from Chuck Fletcher. All right, there we're back. There you go. Yeah. Sorry. Now that, that's me. My internet is just giving me the finger all week. I don't know what the deal is, but, um, but one of the turn of phrases, and I was really shocked when he said it was Chuck Fletcher, when he said, we need high end talent high-end talent. You don't call that a star. You just call it high-end talent. And Danny Breer echoed it. Uh, it seems to me that they're going to do everything they can to land a piece of high-end talent. Is that something we can expect this offseason? Or is that more maybe next offseason with a, a different free agent class and draft and everything else? Well, I wouldn't be surprised if it's this offseason. Honestly, it, it sounds all, like to me, yeah, it, it, it depends on 
It also depends a little bit on who actually gets the free agency. So many years, there's you know, this guy's rumored to be available. He's, he's going to test the market, and he ends up extending, you know, right right before free agency starts. And all right, cross him off the list. What's what's our next step there? Um, you know, there's some quality players that are out there. Whether that's a uh, you know a Forsberg or a, a Hurdle. I mean, the, these aren't uh, these aren't franchise players by any means, but they're they're quality players who make a team better. I mean. It would be, be really nice, you know, it'd be nice to add a scoring winger too. But to me, particularly given the uncertainty with Kevin Hayes and, and um, you know, Couturier dealing with injuries this season, I really think the Flyers need to address the middle first. There, I'm back again. Okay. <laughs> uh, you were saying, you know, the uncertainty regarding Kevin Hayes, you prefer probably to yeah. go center? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. With, with uh, Kevin Hayes' uncertainty and, and Couturier coming off of injury issues, and hopefully he'll be fine next season and going on, but, but I'm a little concerned with Hayes at back-to-back years. I think the Flyers need to address the middle before they, before they look scoring winger. So if they, you can, if you can meet one near the other, I, I would look in, I would look in, you know, I would look toward the center. If, uh, if you come, I'm, I'm a believer in, in building down the middle and rounding out on the wings anyway. So, you know, that, that's why I would look. That's why I look at the Rangers and I go, okay, good team. But I don't know that they are a team that can go on a massive run. First of all, I think they give up too much quality. And then number two, um, they're all wing. They they need yeah. they need help up the middle. Uh, I mean, obviously, one of the names, Bill, is Johnny Gaudreau, not a center. He is a winger. And it, there's obvious reasons, the connection geographically to where he grew up and the whole thing. Um, do you have any concerns, uh, A, about what it would cost to sign him, and B, about what he could do here? Well, I, 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 you know, signing wise, yes, he, he he'd be a big ticket player. You know, Are you looking at that, nine? I, I would think so. I would think yeah. so. I mean, he, he's he's going to get paid. Uh, there, there's all there's only so much, you know. Bring, bring your player home is nice, but uh, you know, he's going to get paid wherever he goes. And, yeah, yeah, it's a business, and he you know, so yes, he would be a very expensive player, looking at a long term kind of thing, you know, and um, you know, it, it still leaves a it still leaves a big need unaddressed. You know, uh, it would, yes, he would replace Claude Giroux production wise, you know, but I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that Giroux being moved, depending on what comes in and Goudreau coming in really makes you a better hockey team. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, you get, you get younger, you get, a, get another high skill guy, but I, I don't know that it gets you closer to, to where you need to get to. I mean, if that, if that's one piece of multiple, you know, multiple things going on. But that that's just is a big chunk of salary cap that I don't know I don't know what else they you know what else they could look at right um, I I have no doubt there'll be cap space to make a couple of moves but I think it'll be more of one big move one medium move and I, and beyond that it's like okay who are some guys who are maybe less expensive on the cap who come in and, and fill a need Yeah um, Do you look into the trade market like like I in the one Flyers Daily episode a couple of weeks back I floated that. When, when Toronto fails again, they need D, send Proveroff and connecting to Toronto for Mitch Marner. Uh, that's obviously – I don't know that it's a pipe dream. I don't know what it is. But, you know, you could accomplish something like that, but you have to find one of those teams that already has another star. And there's not many of them that have multiple stars because you also have to have the star as the face of your organization. Toronto's got that with Matthews. And you look at – Edmonton's got it with McDavid, but they have Drysaddle. I don't think they're trading either of those guys. But 
Uh, do you look at a situation where we could see some kind of blockbuster deal? Because the the blockbuster deal of the NHL, I'm not sure if that is is going to be possible right now. With uh, even if the cap does go up, it's nominally. But yeah. you look at the situation. But some of these teams that have some of these players and multiple stars that haven't won, they've got to do something because it's becoming the definition of insanity, repeating the same thing and expecting a different result. Yeah, for for sure. It's as you said though, those blockbuster deals are are very hard to make happen. I mean, a big piece of it is cap matching. Yeah. And um, you know, and and there's also, you know, sometimes you you don't want to you don't want to fill one need and then open another need too. So that's uh it, it you know, it, I don't know. You don't you don't see the, the big blockbuster hockey trade as often as you used to. Part I think the cap is of course the number one reason for that. Um I, I, you know, any, I, I, it's possible. I do think the teams that have built what they looks to be a contender on paper. And if you don't get beyond a certain point after a couple of years of trying, you have to, you have to look to another path because as, as we were just saying, the window closes faster than you think sometimes. And, yeah. uh, you know, Toronto, I mean, Toronto, there's so much, ex, so many expectations in that market. Um, you know, I mean, right right now, I think they'd be if, if last time I looked at the standings, I think they'd be looking at a first round series of Tampa Bay. So that's uh, yeah, not, not who you want to draw. You know, and even if you win that series, you know, how much does it take out of you by the time you're in the second round? That, that's tough. That's a tough road. But you know, yeah, and in the second round, you could end up with you know a team like Carolina that yeah. just suffocates right. you. Right. Probably. Well, Carolina's at the top, but I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's a. Look, to have success in the playoffs now, there's so many good teams in this league. Like, look at the top eight teams in the East. I look at all those teams. I go, I don't, I, any one of those eight teams to me could represent the Eastern Conference in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, you really could. You, you could view, you know, they, they have some avenue, right? Some plausible avenue where you yeah. can see them winning. So, I mean, listen, look what Montreal did a year ago, and nobody had Montreal getting to the finals a year ago. So, you know, teams, Funny things happen in, in playoff series, but I think you have that that group of contenders that uh, they have enough quality pieces that if certain matchups or whatever break their way, you could see them, you know, being the team that comes out of the East. I, I think it, I think it's potentially there. So, but one of the areas where I was reticent to move a couple of guys was left-handed defensemen, whether that's Provorov or Sanheim. But when I look at the free agent market and I look at the trade market. There's a couple of left-handed defensemen that I'd be interested in. Therefore, it does give me some plausibility to listen on those guys uh, on Proveroff and Sanheim. The two guys that I'm talking about in particular are Hampus Lindholm, who's 28. And also, I look in the trade market at a guy like Jacob Chikrin in Arizona, who certainly is being shopped. Now, Chikrin's under contract. It's not an exorbitant contract. It's going to cost you a good amount to get him, but you can also maybe dump some salary with Arizona in some exchange there. Um, and then I look at Hampus Lindholm and I go, yeah, he's been in the Western Conference. You know, he plays for the Ducks. To me, Hampus Lindholm's one of those guys that if if you have a Lampus Lindholm and then you lose him, you're looking for a replacement for Hampus yeah, Lindholm. <laughs> for sure. The, the, the Flyers definitely need another, you know, and he's, he's one of those ultra steady Eddie guys. You know, yep. he's, he's not going to get the, the headlines like like a Victor Hedman, but he's he's so valuable to his team. And he'll give you 20 quality minutes a night. He, he rarely does things that he doesn't beat himself. 
you know, just uh, you, you need, you know, every team needs that kind of player in the mix. And it's not the, you know, it's not the, the headline grabbing sexy move, but that, that'd be the kind of player that you, you know, would really come in and help a team and help balance pairs too. Yeah. And I think like the casual flyer family, like campus, who, what campus, but he's a, he's a really good steady player that will really stabilize your back end in a lot of ways with real consistent minutes at the prime of his career. It's going to cost you, but let's talk about Morgan Frost and Cam York. Isaac Ratcliffe was recalled. He got his first NHL goal, although delayed uh, a little bit. Um, you and I both saw it right away and said, I think that's, I think yeah. that's Ratcliffe's goal. And it turned out to be so his first NHL marker, but Cam York and uh, Morgan Frost were not recalled. First of all, do you anticipate them being recalled for Saturday uh, to head to Detroit? I mean, it, it, it's a possibility. Um, I don't, I don't right now. I don't, you know, right now I'd say it's 50, 50 at best. And I, I would, I'd lean, I'd lean towards no. Because is it because of the three games this weekend that the Phantoms have? I I think that's a piece of it. I I think there's things they want to see from those guys, whether it's whether it's right, whether it's wrong, whether it's in somewhere in the middle. I think they want to see those guys step up and and grab the bull by the horns, and then then they'll come up. I mean, I, and, I think and that that's earn yeah. their way back in a way. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's what the uh, you know what the Flyers would be looking for from those guys. You see. The fans look at it and they say, well, why aren't they here? They need to be here. I mean, part of the equation, too, maybe waivers and guys that have to clear waivers and, and don't. And you don't have a taxi squad right now anymore. And hopefully we never see that again until we get to, you know, the Black Aces in the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. But when you look when you look at those two, um, you know, pe- the fans want to see those players. And that's one of the things they want to take out of this. I mean, I got a, I got a tweet from a guy that said, you know, why is – some of these guys all the way down to Strom. Why are they not with the team right now? Let me give you this tweet from this guy. He says, um, let's see here. Can you explain why Zamula, Frost, York, Allison, Cates, and Strom are not getting regular minutes on this team? These guys can't possibly make things worse. Okay. Well, well, first of all, um, you know, once you're trading and waving or waving a bunch of guys, you don't have that many call-ups available, so you could call up probably two of them. B, you know, it, it's uh, you know, unless there's a, unless there's another wave of injuries, you just you just don't have the spaces or like the cap space or the roster spaces to do that. But mm-hmm. but secondly, and in some cases like Allison, there's injury issues. You know, um, I mean, truthfully, there is it, it's a legitimate point of view. Um, you know, if it, truthfully, if it was it was my decision to make, and it's clearly not. You know, but it was my decision to make. I would like to see York and Frost up with the big team. And, you know, I would have liked to have seen them in the lineup last night. But yeah. I, I, I get where they're coming from on, 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 the, on the flip side of that. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, again, I, I think, honestly, if, uh, if those guys come go out and they have a good game or two down there, I mean, I, I – a consistently good game down there, not a shift or two here or there. I think you'd see them back up pretty quickly, um, you know. And I mean, there. Are, I, I think part of part of it with Frost, at least, is that uh, you know the, the Broussard is back, and I think though at some point they might juggle things so that both guys could be in the lineup, assuming that that Broussard stays healthy. And with York, you know, I, I guess one benefit is that he's back on his natural side again. Um, you know he's he's 
playing power plays, playing, you know, seeing some penalty killing time so that, uh, you know, I, I thought it was a tough situation for him on, on his offside playing with the handle. Um, I mean, there, there was, there was something to be said though, for gaining the experience of playing on the offside and, you know, playing against, playing against NHL competition. And honestly, I thought he's looked better in some of his NHL games than some of his Phantoms games. He's, he's one of those guys who seems to benefit from, from playing with, uh, you know, playing against and with NHL players. So um, it'll happen, I think, fairly quickly. But uh, I think, you know, but listen, I mean, I, again, I see the I see the other side of it, too. I, I can see where the Flyers are coming from, but I can also see the impatience of, hey, like, you know, we have a, a little less than half a season left here. Let, let's see what these guys can do if they get an extended look and a little higher in the lineup, too. It's Sometimes it's tough when you're playing near the bottom of the lineup to make an impact. Yeah, no doubt. Last thing for you, Bill. Uh, Danny Matos had DM'd me and said, um, not knowing you were going to be on today, and he said, for the next Ask Billy, can you ask if he believes the Flyers will sign Cates, O'Brien, Brink, and Atard? Um, let's start with Noah Cates. Jackson Cates has played for the Flyers. That's his brother. But Noah Cates was the draft pick for the Flyers. Uh, do you think that Cates uh, – let's kind of get a download on Cates, O'Brien, and Brink because all three are playing collegiately right now. Uh, and O'Brien's looked much, much better at BU. Yep. Um, and Brink's having a hell of a season as yeah. well. Yeah. So I, I think that uh, – I'm pretty sure Noah Cates will sign. I know the people were concerned whether Lazinski was going to sign and whether – you know, and, and, and whether, you know, I, uh, Wade Allison went through a senior year and Wade Allison yeah. probably would have signed a couple of years earlier. I mean, you know, Noah Cates wanted to take that one more, one more crack at a national championship. His brother's already here. I, you know, he, he has a very good relationship with the organization. I would be surprised if Cates um, waits till August 15th and becomes a free agent. I, I expect him to sign. Um it's a little different situation just in terms of, uh, you know, age-wise with Adderd. Um, Adderd, having been a college-free, uh, college freshman at age 20, could be an unrestricted free agent if he comes out this year and be 30 days after he turns pro. Um, I, I think the Flyers have put a lot of uh, a lot of resources into making sure that Adderd doesn't go elsewhere. Um, yeah. I don't think it was an accident, for example, when uh, – when the question was asked of Chuck Fletcher about player development, the first name he talked about was Ronnie Adderd. You know that uh, you know, I, they're 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 definitely they're definitely staying close to him. Um, and what what benefits also I think with Adderd is that um, he knows Shell Samuelson really well, and he played with Matthias, who's Shell's son. They played together in mm-hmm. Western Michigan. He knows um, he knows Wade Allison very well. They were you know they, they were teammates at Western Michigan. So, and there's an opportunity there too. You know, yep. it's not just where your friends are. There's an opportunity to come in and, and play probably sooner rather than later. So, I you know, I, I know, you know, a year ago, Kalanick ended up signing with, uh, with Chicago. So I think some people are a little understandably nervous. Um, yeah. But I, but I think, you know, I think they'll get added under contract. Um, Brink, I think that, uh, I think just had, what a great year he's had at Denver. Um, so I, I think even though he has one more year of eligibility left after this one, um, I, I think that he'll turn pro after the season too. Um, you seen an NHL but, debut out of him this year? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that that's a, that's a possibility for sure. And uh, with, with O'Brien, you know, the 
O'Brien is O'Brien's a strange case because he, you know, he had that rough freshman season at Providence, um, and then he goes to the BCHL, which while he was in transfer protocol, the last two seasons he's been BU's best player. The problem has been keeping him on the ice um, because last year, because of the pandemic, the season was only 16 games long. No, uh, no Frozen Four a year ago, so 16 games done. This year, he's missed 11 games due to injury. So his combined total of games from last year and this year is less than one college season. Yeah. So it's, it's a small sample size. Mm. Um, you know, I, I know there there's a segment that have written him off, but if you watch the Bean Pot and if you watch his four games running up to that, I don't have a question that this kid can play. He can fly on the ice. Uh, he has some intensity to him, has a great shot, big, heavy one-timer. He sees the ice. He, you know, he's gotten a little stronger physically, which was one of the knocks on him. So uh, to me, it's just a question of, you know, <laughs> keeping him on the ice playing. Is he healthy? Yeah. And, uh, you know, but if you let it go to his senior year, then, uh, you know, then you have a situation where, you know, okay, well, then the ball's in his court. Does he, does he want to sign at the end of his senior year or what do you want to, go for free agency i would lean towards saying more likely than not he goes back his senior year and then if it all goes well the flyers would try to get him signed before he could be a free agent yeah uh well it's gonna be interesting we'll see if guys like brink i think is one of those guys it's gonna be a grimy nhl player you know yeah. just the way he approaches everything around the net we saw it in the world juniors last year too oh for sure he, he he's, he's a little bit you know kind of a funny say a smaller Giroux, but he is smaller you know, yeah. he's about Cole unorthodox. Caulfield. Yeah, he's about Cole Caulfield size, but he's uh, he's a tremendous playmaker. He he hustles. He competes. Smart yeah. player. Uh, you know, a little, a little like Cam Atkinson type. That you know, he's he's really he's really small, but he doesn't play small. So, um, you know, I I I expect Brink to be a pro, and I, I think he'll be an NHL guy. Even the fact that he as small as he is, and maybe not the the prettiest skater, I, I think he'll figure it out and he'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Drew's not the prettiest skater, yeah. but, but anyway, uh, Bill, awesome stuff. Thanks for doing this as always. We appreciate it. And I, I know a lot of people got a lot out of this today and uh, we'll talk again soon, man. That sounds good. Jason, talk to you soon. All right. There he is. Bill Meltzer. You can read his work at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com and HockeyBuzz.com. He's the best man. He's the Ray Didinger of Flyers hockey in Philadelphia. So we thank him for joining us. And every Thursday we have a little segment we call... It is Tone's takes. There he is, Tone. What's going on? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, you get the animation going, the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> it's awesome. I love it. <laughs> you know, I'm really excited for your appearance today because I think you're going to talk about something I think is really important. You know, people look at, you know, different at, at gambling and it's all about winning. Yeah. But there are times when you go through slumps. And you're going to talk about bankroll management and how not to let it destroy you. Yeah, I mean, I myself am in a slump right now. I'm always transparent with that on Twitter, but you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You gotta, you gotta keep everything the same. You can't chase units. I've done that in the past myself. You know, if I've been 
down like a you know a couple hundred bucks, I maybe place a bet for like three hundred bucks or four hundred. I've stopped doing that over the past year, and it's it's definitely working out. Keep all your bets the same at a, at you know one unit. One unit for me is a hundred dollars. Um, each could be like a one uh, percent of your bankroll, however way you want to do it. But that's my standard bet. I've only had one bet this season in the NHL season above that, and that was a a bet for 150. Um, you know, it's kind of keep doing everything the same, keep your research the same, don't get discouraged. Um, I've been lucky enough to build up a good bankroll during the season. So this really isn't hurting me too much yet. The slump stinks, but you know, it's got to keep, keep to the process as they, as we like to say here in Philly, um, you know, just kind of keep your head up and keep grinding. Yeah, but it's you definitely have... important not to, it's definitely important not to chase. You cannot chase. Don't start doing parlays and things like that. Just keep everything try to keep everything the same maybe lower lower the units a little bit maybe a half unit maybe not play as many games until you kind of start feeling right you know I felt good going into the break and then I've gotten off to a horrible start this week so you know yeah just, that's the thing like you can't change your approach because right. when you're losing there's like serotonin levels that go off in your brain and mm-hmm. you start and the, the desperation kicks in and then you're chasing and now you've lost the core tenets of your ability to handicap games. If you do that, you have to stay even. Right. And, and like, and when you're winning too, like you can't go crazy. You can't go, I'm, I'm streaking right now. Let me throw, you know, a five unit play out there. Cause that burn, exactly. now that's just five steps backwards. Exactly. I mean, it's like a, you know, a hockey player, like it has, you're in a goal scoring slump, you know, just whatever Keep the reason shooting. is things. Yeah, things you know, things aren't going right, but you just gotta you just gotta stick with it. So yeah, and I think that's a, that's a really important lesson because bankroll management is the big thing, and you don't want to see people get burned because they start that those serotonin levels start kicking in and they start chasing it, and then they put themselves in a really tough situation where all that hard work of when it was good go away and then drop. Right. You know, it can happen like that. Um, right. So let's get you back on the horse. Let's get back on the beam, as they say. Tone, what are you looking at uh, this week, uh, and, and in particular tonight? Uh, I'm liking the Penguins in regulation, minus 130. And they had a big win against Boston the other night, down 2 nothing after the first, and they came back to win 4-2. Um, you know, a lot of times you have teams that were, I think they had a four-game losing streak going into the break. A lot of times once they break that streak, they'll win the next game. I like that minus 130 in regulation tonight against Ottawa. Uh, Ottawa is off two big wins uh, against Jersey, and then they beat Carolina 4-3 in their last game. They're still missing some key offensive pieces in Norris and Batherson. Uh, it gets harder and harder for a team like that, um, you know, to keep scoring goals while not having those pieces. So I think they're going to see a little bit of regression tonight for Ottawa. Uh, like the Penguins, minus 130 in regulation. Casey DeSmith is starting, which I'm not too crazy about, but he has played well his last two starts. So, I think the Penguins can get the uh, regulation win here tonight in Ottawa. In Ottawa, still no fans in Ottawa, too. I know mm-hmm. Eugene Melnick, the owner of the Ottawa Senators, is one of the guys leading the lobby of the Canadian teams to, for, for the government first, either to let fans back in or play games south of the border. Yeah. A little, little noise around the team as well uh, in Ottawa. Yep. And when you're missing Nars and, and Drake Batherson, that's a huge loss for a team without a tremendous amount of depth. Right. Yeah, they can sustain it maybe for a couple of games, but you see that a lot when they're missing star players. It just especially with the team like a young team like like Ottawa who has trouble scoring goals anyway, it's kind of tough to kind of keep that momentum going. So uh, one of the marquee games on the card, and I love this game. This is like a strap in, enjoy it. Hey, it's been a tough flyer season, but how about Tampa Bay, the two time Cup champ, 
taking on the Colorado Avalanche in Colorado. Nine o'clock game tonight on ESPN+. Plus. I, I mean, I look at this game and I go, this is like potential game of the year shit, right? Yes. This is a yes. great game tonight and you got to play on it. Yeah, I like the over six in this game. Uh, I do think it's going to start a little slow, so don't get discouraged if there's no goals in the first, like maybe even the first period, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I like the over. Tampa Bay is uh, the average 3.6 goals per game on the road. Uh, they have a good power play on the road at 24%. Um, and they're giving up some goals on the road too at 3.14. Um, penalty, ki- penalty kill struggles on the road, which is 75%. Avs, even though they're missing, um, you know, uh, McKinnon still, still average 4.25 goals per game at home. They have a good power play, 22% at home. Um, you know, goal, goals against is down about 2.46 for the Avs, but I think we're going to see some goals here tonight. First meeting this year, Colorado won 4-3 in overtime. Uh, in Tampa, and six of the last seven games in Colorado have hit at least six goals. So I think there's a good chance we get at least six goals here tonight, which will be a push, but I'm kind of looking at it like a 3-3 kind of game again with these yeah. two teams. Yeah, and just that, you know, overtime, 4-3 win, and boom, you're mm-hmm. over. Uh, that would be the play. I mean, it's going to be a fascinating game tonight. I wish McKinnon was playing. I know. I want to see, like, full Monty versus full Monty, but it is what it is. Yeah, This is a cup preview that, that – could we be. Thought maybe the past couple of years that we were going to get, and we haven't. I mean, Tampa's done their part, but the Avs just haven't been able to, to get it together. So who knows this year? Maybe we finally get it. Big yeah, series. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things I was talking about with Bill Meltzer, Tone, last thing for you, is when I look at these standings in the Eastern Conference, right? And I look at, you know, the top teams, whether that be Florida or Carolina, you look at, you know, Tampa, obviously, two time cup champs. You look at a team like the Leafs who are right there with games in hand. They've won six straight games. The Rangers have kind of shocked everybody. I mean, they only have 13 regulation losses here, 47 games in. And I look at all these teams and I go, gee, all the way down to the Caps and the Bruins, the two wildcard teams, I go, any one of these teams could represent the East in the Stanley Cup final. Like, I don't look at one and go, nah, I don't see it. Yeah, hundred percent, especially in the East. I mean, in the in the West, you have the Avs, you have Vegas, probably you know as of right now are those two you know top teams. Uh, but the East is definitely definitely wide open. You know, especially with Boston coming off a little bit. Who knows? You know, Rask is retiring now, so that comeback didn't go too well. So, um, yeah, the East is is wide open. You can maybe maybe you'll see one of those wild card teams take it. It's kind of one of those years. So yeah, like 2010 when the Flyers were the seven seed, got in on the final day uh, of the year. Conference Seems like final. forever ago, man. Seems it like does. forever ago. Too long ago. <laughs> well, they're in the conference final against Montreal, and they had home ice. <laughs> yeah, right? I think it, it was, was seven in the eighth seed because they were seven, and Montreal was eight when I remember. Yeah, because Montreal bounced out uh, the Washington Capitals who won the President's and, Trophy. Yeah, and Pittsburgh, too. They beat yep. Pittsburgh, too, in the second round, yeah. And they were gassed by the time they got to the conference final. Flyers took yeah, the Flyers, yeah, they steamrolled them. Yeah, awesome. Tone, thanks as always, man. Appreciate <laughs> it. Have a great weekend. Good luck, and uh, we appreciate the time. All right. Thanks, Jason. Take it easy. All right. There he is. Tones takes on a Thursday edition of Park Sportsbook presents Stick to Hockey Live. And uh, great stuff from Tone. I love that advice he gave on bankroll management. And it's totally true. You can't start chasing it. That's when you're just going to get yourself in trouble. All the hard work you did to build your bankroll can evaporate if you start chasing it and making bad decisions. So stick to the process. Trust Trust the process, as uh, Joel Embiid would say. That's a bad Embiid impersonation. Um, All right, let me tell you about Parks one last time before we wrap up for the week. And uh, get the Parks Sportsbook app. 
huge sports gambling weekend with the big game on Sunday, all the hockey action tonight and throughout the weekend, all the uh, college and pro hoops, same game parlays, live in-game betting, play-by-play betting. You've got player performances. You're going to have props out the wazoo, out the wazoo for this uh, big game coming up on Sunday. They're all listed there, all easy to do. And for new customers to sign up now, your first bet risk-free up to $500. $500 risk-free. Just open an account, deposit, first bet risk-free, $500. So you got nothing, no promo code to put in, none of that silly stuff. No hoops to jump through. Local company, local guys. That's why we love them. That's why we trust them. And that's why you should as well. So download the Park Sportsbook app uh, on your phone. And open up an account, deposit, first bet, risk-free up to $500. I guarantee you will not regret it. And you will not find uh, an app to get your action in on that is as easy to navigate and get your action in on than the Park Sportsbook app. So, And that's a big element. You know, Easy deposit methods, fast payouts, the whole thing. It's all there for you. Park Sportsbook, grab the app, download it, first bet, risk-free up to $500. Let me tell you that you should give them a follow on their social channels as well. At Park Sportsbook on Twitter, on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. You'll get great content. You'll get daily specials. You'll get tons there. It's a full interactive experience from the app to being able to go up on Street Road and Ben Salem to the Park Sportsbook and Casino. Beautiful sportsbook, by the way. <laughs> awesome. I did my Saturday radio show there forever. It's tremendous. TVs everywhere. Comfortable seating, the whole thing. And also, uh, through the social channels, you get all the great content and much more. So make sure you grab the Park Sportsbook app. And again, give them a follow at Park Sportsbook on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as well. That's going to put a wrap on our Stick to Live presented by Park Sportsbook for the week. We'll be back Monday. Another brand new episode. Uh, we'll do that Monday at 1 o'clock. Tuesday with Harry Mays, the Odd G's podcast. And then next Thursday as well. But everybody, have a great couple of days. We'll talk to you coming up on Monday with a brand new edition of Park Sportsbook Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Um.